PGA Nation, we are back and we are heading to Tokyo. A fun week, the Zozo Championship. To me, this really feels like the kind of season kickoff. It's like the new season. It's it's the cool destination. Uh, some of the big names are going to show up and play. I'm pretty excited for this week. Not a full field, um, but you know, I wouldn't call it a full-on JV field. And it's also interesting because DraftKings doesn't like to compete with the NFL with golf, right? They figure people are putting their money in in the NFL and in football, so they give us these kind of cheaper tournaments, if you will, not the best tournament selection. Um, I think it's a little bit improved this week than it had been the last two. So um, they're playing up this tournament at, because of the field and the excitement around it. So it should be an interesting week, to say the least. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I don't know if I have the same excitement for this tournament that you do. Um, not the biggest fan of no-cut contests that have limited fields. I do think that with the way that I built my model this week, it's very unique and different. But I guess the answer to that would be how different can you really get when there's only 78 players or whatever number we're actually looking at here that are teeing it up. So, I mean, we will provide the best information that the three of us can on this show. We will talk about the course. We'll talk about players we like, but I don't know if this would be the tournament that I, if somebody was getting into golf that I would tell them to play the first time. Fair. Probably not the first one, but I would assume the folks that are the DraftKings regulars, certainly not their first time getting into golf. So, you know the drill. David, how you doing tonight? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, we had a bit of discussion off the air of who won last week, and I, um, of course, claimed victory. Um, I do think I was the only one who had a six of six last week and had um, Adam Hadwin in second, Bo Hosler in seventh, um, Christian Bezaden, how it was 20th. EVR had a really good week as well. Um, so, you know, EVR just continue. I, you know, I, I hope that the bookmakers keep pricing him at 150 to one because he's like so close to an elite performance and he's just, you know, he was 6,800 in, in DraftKings last week. It was, it was silly. Um, what they were doing to him out there. So, um, no, it was an awesome week. And then over on the DP World Tour, another one, another one, 80 to 1, Matthew Pavon winning over in Open de España. And we've had this, like, weird record with, like, National Opens this year. We picked the winner at the Irish Open. We picked the winner at the Canadian Open. We picked the winner at the US Open. And now we've picked the winner at the Open to France, as well as the British Masters, which isn't the British Open, but, like, we'll claim it. You know, there's, like, a country in the name of the title as well. So we've been absolutely on fire this year. And if you have followed my selections in Win Daily Premium throughout this year, using $10 per unit, you would be up over $9,000 right now. So it's a no-brainer. Jump in the promo link in the description. Sign up now because the tips have been absolutely on fire this year. The heater is on. And, of course, you never leave the table when you are on a heater. So we have a draft cast tonight. Spence, you have your work cut out for you in the course breakdown. Not a ton of data on this course. What are you looking for? Yeah, these venues that lack data are never going to be my favorite. I, I think they take away a lot of the handicapping strategy. I will say that I decided to get different. I think anytime you make this dynamically different blueprint from what you're looking for than other people, you obviously run a risk of it's going to be very boom or bust. For DFS, that's a good answer. 
inside the betting market, you know, there's other answers that you can give there. I, I'm going to have very limited exposure for this contest. Beyond anything else, I do want to say that it, this is a claustrophobic design. I don't want to discredit that stance with what I'm going to say here. We see substantial tree line intangibles that are going to be present throughout. That's going to create the need for golfers to move the ball in multiple directions because of the dog legs of the facility. Naturally, with that answer, that puts extra merit into that bucket of accuracy over distance when talking about a course that's sub 7,100 yards. I don't think it naturally presents that distance appeal. However, I'm going to say I don't think length is something that you should discredit this week when you build a model. Most of the impactful scoring from either a production or an avoidance answer will come with the driver in hand. We have five par threes, which kind of already reduces the yardage total. You get it in other areas. We have five par four holes that range between 486 to 505 yards. That's going to rank as the most challenging locations for the week. You also have these three par fives that are between 562, 587, and the behemoth that is 608. That 608-yard hole only yields a 21.9 birdie or better rate. That's going to be one of the lowest percentages that you'll see all season at any stop. We obviously can try to extrapolate out a lot of those numbers that I've talked about. I, I think that can give you a little bit more of an advanced opinion when you're building this. But anytime you get one of these no-cut contests, a smaller field narrative, um, all of these things coming to the forefront of the equation here, I am just not super pumped. Like, obviously, we try to be honest on this show. We're, we're trying to win money at the end of the day. I am kind of a straight shooter with it. If it's not my favorite tournament, I'm just going to say how it is with it. Uh, there's maybe some ways that we can look at this. Like you have to be cognizant that all these holes will have two uh, pin locations. That's something that the golfers are going to need to be aware of. You do get this soft surface that is on the speedier side of things. That's a unique complex, if nothing else. But um, it, as you said at the beginning of this, Joel, it makes for a very difficult way to try to run a model this week because a lot of these answers I don't want to run into a spot where I take such a firm stance on something and then you find out a day into this that your numbers are completely wrong and you have you know 10 head-to-head -head wagers and you're scrambling to get out of an opinion here so a uh, very light week for me across the board you left out one major factor about this week of what makes it so exciting you get to watch golf yeah. In Japan at night, not in the morning. You get to it starts at like 7:45 at night, our time. So it's just fun. That is the fun part. Now, all the points you made are very fair. Um, but it's just the way you, you want to phrase it, right? Like there's a lot of similarities to this in terms of handicapping, except for the course data that we lack, to the end of the year, right? When you start getting to uh the FedEx Cup sure. and they start eliminating guys and there's no cut anymore. Um, maybe not as much the point differential, but um, it is a different type of tournament. You're going to see ownership a little bit higher than normal because of a smaller field and things like that. So um, it's just different. Some of the different stuff to think about um, and handicap uh, and trying the best to have some fun I, with it. So. I think really quickly before we move on past the point, the one thing, and you bring up a good point with that, but the one thing I don't like about this tournament beyond anything else, the bottom of this board gets really weak very quickly on it. Um, I think it removes a lot of playable commodities because at least when we're talking about the FedEx Cup, you can dip down into the bottom and feel comfortable with a lot of these plays. I don't know. I have five to seven players in the 6,000s, not to give away too much strategy that I do like this week, but I, I think most of the names are kind of unplayable. And I know that's a different answer than most people would expect 
with this being a no cut tournament, people love that boomer bust mentality with it, but I don't know how much boom we actually have down in that 6k range outside of about five or seven golfers. If you know, we want to get technical by my models sense of it, but it just makes it a little bit more challenging to get different with such a small field. Totally fair. It's a totally fair point. Um, Especially, well, you know, if, if comparing to the FedEx Cup, those are all the best golfers in the year. Yeah. So every guy in the FedEx Cup is going to be playable. Um, here, I totally agree. There, I, there's an easy, for me, it's an easy fade of, you know, maybe the bottom 10, 10 to 20%. So, um, you know, to some people, that's a good thing. It's an easier way to narrow down your player pool to others. It does make things more challenging. So we do have a draft ahead of us. Very excited. David went ahead as the winner that he self-proclaimed, not confirmed, <laughs> gave himself the first pick. I am going second. Audience, for a change, is going third, not back-to-back. -back. So, audience, I already tell you're hot in the chat. We're going to need you on your toes tonight getting those nominations in. Spencer, far fourth. For those new to the show tonight, as a quick reminder, this works like your typical fantasy football draft. It's a snake-style draft. Um, Spencer will have two picks on the wheel before we go back. The one caveat is you do need to stay within your DraftKings salary. So you can't just take all the best players. You do need to make sure you draft knowing you can afford all six guys on your roster. Without further ado, David, with the first pick, you're on the clock. Not only the self-proclaimed winner, but the actual winner, because I was the only one who yeah. went six for six last week as well as having second place. And no one had Tom Kim. But good news, this is a no-cut event. So the rest of you can join me and have a six-of-six six lineup this week, and um, we'll see who wins then. So uh, with the first selection, I I agree with Spence. This is a really difficult course to handicap. And I actually think that a lot of the form lines go from last year's winner, Keegan Bradley, and you can see some correlations in courses where he's played really well. And then um, likewise, that's moved through some of those lesser players like Brendan Steele, for example, who has a really good record around Narashino and has played at similar courses. And so that's that's shaped in many ways my first selection, which is the top of the board, is Xander Shoffley. I think that he possesses a huge amount of win equity here. He's won the Travelers Championship um, in 2022, just like Keegan Bradley um, did this year. So they've got that in common. He's also won at, um, at the Old White TPC, which... Um, Keegan Bradley had a very good record around and, and correlates very well here as well um, through, again, multiple different players. And then um, Bridgestone and, and uh, the Bridgestone Firestone South course um, is a very, very good correlation course as well. And Xander's got a great record there. Xander's just like Mr. Consistent this year. Like since March, he's only finished outside the top 25 on one occasion. And he finished 42nd at the Scottish Open, which we know can be um, a pretty volatile event um, just in terms of like exposed nature and wind and gusts and things like that. So he's just consistently been um, performing above above his pay grade, really. And um, all he really needs to do is go and get a win. And it would be very typical Xander just to like travel, go get a win. Obviously, he played very well here when he um, when he won the gold medal as well at the, the 2020 Olympics. So um, there's a lot going for him. I just think he's, he's also too cheap at 11,100. I think he's just... Um, a little bit ahead of all those underneath them. If you put them 11.5 or 11.8, I wouldn't have had too much of trouble with it. There you have it. Um, no complaints here. I mean, Xander Shoffley is probably the best talent in this field, definitely top three. Um, I can certainly see him coming, coming away with a win. Spence, how about you? Are you playing Xander at all this week? 
Yeah, deserving favorite, 33 consecutive made cuts, which will become 34 since he can't miss the cut at this event. But um, I do think he is the top of this class. I, obviously, ownership's going to go to him, but I think it's rightfully so. There you have it. All right, that puts me on the clock. I am really stuck between two picks. I'm going to go ahead and commit to Colin Morikawa. Um, we're going to go right back to the top. I think in this field, I do think very much so, this is a stars, stars and Scrubs week. I think the combination of not having to worry about anyone missing the cut, so getting those four days. And I do think the top of this field, the top five to eight guys, I think are significantly better than the rest of the field. So I want to try and cram – you know, two of those guys in three, if I can, and then find a way. Like when I say scrubs, Spencer's right. Like I don't want to just go to the bottom and pick any three guys. I, I do. There is intent behind how I want to do my stars and scrubs, but um, getting a couple of those top guys, I think, is going to be a priority. And Colin's certainly up there. I mean, he with Xander, with Ricky, could, could be the best. With Sungjae, could be the best talent in the field, right up there. Um, he's playing good golf. We saw him go through a lull last season. He's playing better, so. Um, I think Colin can go out there in what, to me, is an approach course, a second-shot course, and uh, and put on a show. So I like Colin here at 10-8. How about you, Spence? Are you playing Colin at all? So that's actually where I was planning to go with my pick. I just think when you look at Morikawa's profile, and, and I'm not usually a Morikawa guy, I, I was surprised that my model landed under the mindset it did with him since I took such a distance-heavy approach compared to most that are in the space, but there are so many high-end returns that other players in this field couldn't match. When we look at his weighted proximity, the GIR percentage, the recent ball striking, the weighted scoring, really the only person that had larger upside in my model would be Xander. Morikawa is the second favorite in the market and the second favorite in my sheet. So I think it's a very logical route for the second name off the board. I love it. I love it. Now, tracking the audience here, um, it looks like the pick is in. It's a good pick. I mean, obviously, well, we just mentioned him. Sung J.M., another is the right route. Same strategy I was saying. Get you one of those stars. He's certainly up in that upper echelon tier. David, are you playing Sung at all this week? Yeah, I think Sung is a, a good play this week. I mean, obviously, he's already acclimatized a bit to um, to being in Asia. He was in Korea a couple of weeks ago or last week, actually, um, where he finished runner-up. So he's already spent some time around there. And he kind of fits the all-round profile that you need at this course. Like, I don't think driving distance is the be and end-all, but I, I do think just you need, a, like, an overall good driving um, off the tee game. You either need to be hitting fairways consistently or you need to be out-driving the competition, one of those two things. And it's one of those classically, like, tree-lined golf courses as well. And, I, like, I, I I always hate to use Augusta as, like, a comp course, but, like, it kind of is like Augusta. And the reason why I hate that is because Augusta is just, like, one of the best fields in the world, right? So it's like, oh, the guy who played well at the Masters, like, played play well here. Like, it's kind of like saying, like, oh, Tiger Woods played well at this course. So, like, therefore, like, he's the form link. Because, like, Tiger Woods played good at every course because he's just, like, really good at golf. Um, But, yeah, look, Sungjae has got a very, very good record at the Masters and probably above where you would expect him to have performed on other courses. So... I do like that correlation. Just to throw a cat amongst the positions with Morikawa, I'd be interested in your guys' thoughts of the fact that we've got some extremely high wins the first two days. And I feel that Morikawa, we've kind of got a thing going now with him in high wins not being a great place. So I'd be interested in your guys' thoughts just in terms of the win factor. Day one looks pretty windy. Day two looks extremely windy, like gusts up to 70 miles per hour. I guess I'll take it first just because it's, I, and I've heard that a lot in the space with Morikawa. 
my model doesn't necessarily see the same factors when I run the data behind it. Doesn't mean that my model's correct with that. Obviously, he's a very precise iron player. And, and I think that's where a lot of that answer comes from with it. But my math liked them fine in windy conditions, like very blustery conditions. Yeah, and I would say, of course, it's something to think about. My personal stance is um, I try not to over adjust to winding conditions for the reason that the wind cannot be as severe as originally reported. Things can change. Um, it's the same conditions for all the players, so it could also cause other issues. So for the most part, it's a small factor for me, but it's a very small one. I don't want to um, – I've had too many times where I've overplayed – weather factors and it ended up hurting me where like the guy that I wanted to play, I didn't because of wind and they did really well. So I don't want to put too much, uh, too much weight into that for the, for this tournament, especially. Yeah. And I, and you guys already know, and if you follow this show regularly, you know that I like to play a wither edge because I think it can give you an advantage if you can get the forecast right over other players. Um, and I think I said 70 miles per hour, 70 kilometers an hour, 70 miles per hour. They're probably not out on the golf course. It's like 40 yeah. miles per hour, but it's, it's going to be very, very windy, especially that second day. And I think that factored into my decisions this week for sure. All right. There you have it. All right, Spence, you got two here back to back. Who are you looking at? I want to say this is, a. I mean, not that it's been working out for me the last couple of weeks, but this is a lot more fun when I have the number one pick and I can get who I want rather than it going like the first three names off the board that I would have taken. So um, I don't like this $6,000 range. I alluded to that at the beginning. So very naturally, I will start with a golfer in the $6,000 range and try to get a unique, different build going and kind of have a different dependency here. I'm going to take KH Lee at 6,900. We saw him fall flat at portions of this season. Obviously now in the fall, we've seen him turn it around. Two top 14s in his last three starts. We have that missed weekend sandwich in between that at the Sanderson Farms. But I think the four more or less looks like it's back to where it was. Like the profile across the board isn't top 30 golfer. He's one of the biggest discrepancies I have in my sheet when it comes to value down in this range. You got a boost inside of my model, given these soft greens that were fast. The recent ball striking told the same story. And then it just came down to how respectable his data appeared when you do get these more extended par four setups that I talked about and the ability to score on the par five. So uh, Lee was a golfer that I gave out in a matchup against Joel Damon this week. Um, I think there's a lot of ways that you can consider playing KH Lee. I'm just going to try to take a different approach with him here to start off my build. And then I'm going to go with a little bit of chalk on a golfer that I think has been very steady. Like before last week where he ended up losing the streak, he had 30 something. I think it was 33 consecutive rounds of shooting par or better. He's now down to two after that. He had a slip up there at one of the first two days, but I'm going to take JJ spawn at 7,900. I think it's a nice spot where the ball striking has really surged over the last couple months. Most of the numbers inside of my model land inside the top 20. There's a 13th place grade for weighted scoring. He's number one for overall bogey avoidance and scrambling. Those are really high-end marks when we're looking at a course that's probably only going to get the 15 under par. You're going to need that ability. I think he's one of the golfers where he sees a heightened upside. So I'll go with those two. I have a lot of money on the table to build. And unfortunately, you guys have all probably built the three players that I would be most inclined to want to play along with these names. but. Uh, uh, I do think it's a steady start for as cheap as this is. And it's going to make it unique, if nothing else, at the end of the day. 
So I got to be honest with you, Spence. I'm going to need you to put your picks in because I froze. And I didn't hear who you actually took. Okay. I can put that <laughs> Wow. Cage Lee. All right. All right. Um, so I find it interesting. It, it sounds like you hustled us here in that you told us <laughs> you're avoiding the lower tier and that it's not, you don't want to play them. Kind of took us out of the lower tier. You got all the top guys picked first, and then you got the guy that you wanted. So way to play the field in the actual draft by hustling us. That was that was a really good job. How about you, David? Are you playing KH Lee or JJ Spawn at all this week? I mean, when we both um, froze, I think Spence actually took Satoshi Godaira and Trevor Werbelo, but that's fine. We'll <laughs> let him have KH Lee and JJ Spawn. Um, yeah, look, I, I would prefer, of those two, I really like KH Lee. I, I agree he's absolutely good value. One thing I'll point out with the, the grass here is that the fairways is always the grass, and we hardly ever see this on the PGA Tour. TPC Craig Ranch is one of the places that has Zoysa Grass Fairways. KH Lee um, won and defended the AT&T Byron Nelson at that course. And with that grass, it's really quite unique because it's quite um, sturdy. It, it's like very, very polarizing whether golfers like it or hate it. The Some people describe it as like hitting every single ball like it's off a tee because it's so sturdy, the ball just kind of sits up. And other people have complained that you can get flyers just unexpectedly and the ball can travel a lot further than they were, they were thinking. So um, casually, he's got a very, very good record on that grass type. So I do like the, the selection there for him at 6,900. I think he's a very obvious value. Boom. There you have it. K.H. Lee. All right, audience. You are up. You need to get your picks in. It looks like the pick is in. Unless I'm missing it, it's Min Woo Lee at the first double. That's what it looks like to me. Can you guys confirm? All right, that's confirmed. And Min Woo Lee. Spence, how about you? Are you playing Min Woo Lee at all this week? So there's a lot to like about him from the scrambling sense of the answer. Um, I think he's going to be very popular, like, Maybe outside of one name, the most popular player in this $9,000 range. I think part of the problem that I have with this board in general is there are no natural fade candidates for me. And I think that's like pricing is really steady at the top. I don't have a problem with any route anybody wants to go with most of those names. I think it's like the top end is a lot better. And I'm just going to say the you know players 8,500 and above the majority of them are a lot better than the names beneath them. I don't have massive takes and that's what makes it so difficult to try to construct lineups this week and kind of try to get people completely out of my player pool. I'm probably not going to play him based off of the answer I said, but I don't hate him. So it's just one of those difficult situations. It's a good point. One thing I'll add, I think just in that same kind of thought track too, is a lot of times my strategy in tournaments like this, especially when you see that there's going to be a higher concentration of ownership Sometimes the best play isn't to necessarily play just the low ownership, but just fade the highest ownership. If you can just get that right, maybe get rid of the top two or three guys that, that are pretty high owned out of your pool. It's, that also gives you a lot of leverage on the field. So different ways to think about getting unique and different when thinking about ownership in a field like this. Um, David, how about you? Are you playing Min Lee at all this week? Yeah, I do like the Minwoo Lee play. Obviously, um, he's spent a lot of time in the sandbelt in Australia, so he's very used to the high winds. We've seen him play very well in, in higher winds as well. So I do like that element of his game. Um, ninth this year at the Travelers' Championship. And I don't think that's necessarily his best course fit either. So um, obviously, that's a, a course where... 
Keegan Bradley's won and he won here. And then um, Xander Schofield's got a, a good record of both of those courses as well. So I think that's a nice correlation. Um, he finished 14th of the Masters on debut as well. Um, so, I mean, look, Minwoo Lee, I think, is in for a very, very big 2024. Um one last week in Macau, I wouldn't put too much into that because if he hadn't won that that event, that would almost be more concerning because after him, the field was just like so, so weak. But I do like from that aspect that he's coming in with a week having played and also um, having acclimatized to the time zone as well. All right. All right. There you have it. I am now up with my second pick. I went with Morikawa. I have a strategy here. It's risky because I really have like – four guys I need to land to make this roster work. Um, and if you guys take them, I'm going to be in a bit of trouble here. But I'm going to stick to my plan. I'm going to take Ricky Fowler. Like I said, I'm going Stars and Scrubs. Um, I think Ricky can go out there and win this tournament. He cooled off a bit at the end of the year. There's been a long break. I think Ricky has, has turned it around. He had enough time to kind of get right. I'm kind of banking on the fact that Ricky has fully come back to being a, a top-level player. And it wasn't just a flash in the pan. I think we see that show up this week. So getting four days out of Ricky Fowler, um, I feel good about it. And I'm happy to pay up and balance out the rest of my roster from here. How about you, Spence? You on Ricky at all this week? I think if there was an ideal situation that I could start a lineup, it would probably be two. And I mean, this isn't this is an obvious answer. These are like the favorites for a reason. But I'd probably start with two of Xander, Morikawa, and Fowler. I have two outright bets this week. I have Morikawa and Fowler, so you pretty much have my outright card right now, Joel. I like Fowler. Obviously, the recent form hasn't looked so great, but it's one of those answers like would be very similar to what I talked about with JJ Spawn. You make it a more challenging course. Sung JM would be another name that fits into that mold too, where it becomes a more challenging course. All of a sudden, the win equity increases in my model at that venue. Uh, we've seen Ricky find success here in the past, so I, I like the pick a lot. There we have it. Endorsed. All right, David, you got two here on the wheel. You have Xander. Great start. Um, about 7,700 per pick remaining. Who are you looking at here? Yeah, I'll just say with Ricky Fowler that after Xander Schofley, he's my favorite play. So um, I do like that that pick and I like the start there. Um, very tempted to take Sam Ryder here just because I feel that's who Joel's talking about. And um, <laughs> I, I don't actually really want to play Sam Ryder. I'm just kind of tempted just to take him because I know that's like just where Joel wants to go. Um, but I'm going to, I'll stick to my guns and, and where I was going to play anyway. So I'll start off with um, Tom Hoagie. I think Tom Hoagie's found some form again with his approach um, recently. He's got a very good record here. He finished um, 17th on debut and then ninth um, earlier this year um, at, this, at this course. And then he's also got a second at uh, the Old White TPC, which is one of the correlation courses that I'm using. Um, anytime that we see Tom Hoagie spiking again with his irons, that's promising for me. He wasn't that far away at the Shriners. He just missed the cut, but I don't necessarily mind that if that means he can get over to Japan a little bit earlier um, and acclimatize a little bit more. So I think for me at 7,800, if you if you'd placed him at like 82, 83, would not have been surprising for me whatsoever. Um, and he's been playing a lot more golf recently than um, some of these other guys in this range. And then um, after that, I'll go up the board and I'm going to go and take um, Cam Davis, the other Aussie, at 9,500. Again, I like the combination that you're getting in terms of um, driving distance and accuracy. We also know that Cam Davis tends to um, like to club down off the tee occasionally. So if he needs to, he can do that. 
lots of experience playing playing in the wind and he's just been in very very good form i think that yeah i spoke about him last week i think cam davis is just actually turning into that golf we kind of expected him to be there's always been that talent there um in his last six tournaments he's finished in the top 10 five times and it was another one last week seventh at the shriners um and uh in terms of correlation courses i think tpc southwind Again, Zoysa Freeways, he was sixth this year and he was 13th the year before on that course. So I do like those um, correlations. And he's had one look at this course and finished 29th. So it wasn't dreadful last time he was here. Well, there you have it. You nailed it. Um, we and Cameron Davis has been popular. I mean, he's been, he hasn't, he's been playing well, but he's been popular. I think we've been drafting him a lot on the show. Uh, how about you, Spencer? Are you on Cameron Davis this week? Yeah, I mean, I think for and by the way, I, I mean, I might have like two thousand dollars left over with the way that this draft has gone right now because, um, maybe I miscalculated the situation with there being not as many players, but I, I think Cameron Davis makes a ton of sense here. I obviously added a little bit extra distance to the equation and he boosted very high in my model because of that, but five top 10 finishes over his last six starts. I think he's a supremely talented golfer that has legitimate like major championship win equity in the future. Kind of a lot of the numbers with him, I would compare it. Maybe they're not the same player, but it's kind of that like Wyndham Clark thing where the numbers just started surging inside of my sheet. And, you know, he was over a hundred to one to win a major. And then all of a sudden he pulls it off. Like I think Cameron Davis is very similar in that regard to where, you know, he's 42nd in the world right now. I, I legitimately believe he's a top 25 golfer. This feels like an accurate price tag that you might actually be getting a little bit meat left on the bone here where he could have been in the $10,000 range with the performances that he's had recently. So I like the play. Um, don't really know how I'm going to round out my lineup now, but uh, I, I, it's, it, I will say this. I mean, in a 78-person field, I think leaving a lot of money on the table is a legitimate strategy. And you look at my lineup in particular, I will have none of the top win equity players. So if nothing else, it'll be a unique lineup in a different way to think. Well, there you have it. There you have it. Um, all right. Moving on here to my third pick, David, you nailed it. I mean, I take Ryder every week. It's, I don't I'm not shameful about it. I think this is probably my, third or fourth draft in a row taking rider at 7k in this field great value give him to me again i did move him up in my list i was planning i was planning to take him but later but now that you mentioned it i'm not gonna let it slip away um to tune everyone into my strategy there was a few guys a little bit more expensive that i'm looking at rider being the cheapest here in the 7k range so i wanted to lock him in if one of my other guys gets stolen i kind of have replacements I don't really have a replacement in this range for Ryder. So it was most important for me to get this value in at this point. But Ryder's playing really well. I mean, a couple of things to mention about Ryder. And one of the things that, that I think is most important, the ball striking has been pretty good. Um, and when Sam Ryder's striking it well, you know, you know he can compete. But it's the putter that I think is most important. We saw him spike last year with some amazing putter putting performances. And we're starting to see that putter heat up again. So um, if he has a hot putting week this week, um, sky's the limit, and, and he can go out there and compete and get a top 10, if not win the tournament. So I think Sam Miner's just strictly, simply underpriced. Uh, David, I know you were thinking about taking him. You didn't. Uh, will you be playing Ryder at all this week? I mean, first, you're welcome. Um, and, yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, Sam Ryder, I mean, he's he's on a, on a streak at the moment in terms of made cuts, consistently performing really well. 
um, included in there as like a, a seventh and a fourteenth. Um, I, I just I like the fact that we're getting guys who are coming in and playing tournaments. You know, it's really difficult to predict when guys have been played for two months. Um, you know, someone someone got mentioned recently and it was like, you know, he's not in good form. It's like, well, how how do we know he's not in good form? He hasn't played since August, right? So there could be some rust and stuff in there, and Sam Wright is not gonna have that. And he had a seventh year on debut. So if anything, that suggests that he likes this course. The other thing I'd add is that in terms of approach, there's a really high disproportionate number of shots that happen between 150 to 200 yards. And Xander Schofield leads that list as part of the reason why I took him with the first pick. Sam Ryder is right up there in terms of that bucket range as well. So um, there's no surprise that he came here in front of Stephen Thon debut because it, I think it's right in his real house. I think he's a really good pick. There you have it. All right. Listen, the audience pick is in. Great. Jo- first of all, great job audience being on top of things. Audience, you know, as always, you are the real MVP tonight, especially crushing it. It's a little confusing because it looks so. I'll be honest with you. I thought from the first look that your pick was champ, but now let a second look. The pick is Shank. It looks like Shank came in first, or was that from your last round? Am I missing something here? I think it's Cam Champ. I think they, they, there was one mention of Shank before you'd finished your selection, so that doesn't count. And then someone sort of like made a comment about Shink, but it looks like Cam Champ is well and truly endorsed by the chat. I agree with the champ. I, I was going to say champ was honestly probably who I was going to take if I didn't decide to move Ryder up because David mentioned him. So I like champ too. I think he's a solid pick this week. He's playing well. We've seen like champ is the ultimate streaky guy. He's in that hot zone where he's playing good golf and he's got the, the distance that should benefit him on this course. I think this is a really good spot for him. How about you, Spencer? Are you playing champ at all this week? I think the price is way too cheap on him, and that's probably why it's indicative right now to where he's about 20% owned. Um, I don't have a problem with him. You just have to be cognizant of that fact that he's going to be probably the most expensive or the the highest owned player of anybody 7,900 or less. You could even make the argument that he might be the highest owned player of anyone 8,800 or less, but he probably in reality should be hundreds of dollars more than he is right now with the way that he's playing. I agree. Uh, Spence, you got two now. You're on the wheel. You got, you started with some value, plenty of money to spend. Who are you looking at here? So with my first pick, I am going to take Vincent Norman. Um, and both of these selections that I'm going to talk about right now, in my opinion, are potential bounce back candidates after they miss the cut in Vegas. Uh, Norman's a boomer bust play. I think in a no cut tournament, that's kind of what you are looking for. High upside potential to shoot himself up the leaderboard, uh, a downside to where this goes in the opposite direction, but a sub 10% golfer that I'm willing to take that risk there. And then I feel lucky, I guess, with the way that this played out because I was going to take Adam Shank and I thought Adam Shank was off the board and I was in panic mode trying to figure out how to round out this lineup with literally everybody gone that I could take. I'm going to take Adam Shank here at $8,000. Like I said, same exact mentality of miss the cut. I think it's a nice bounce back spot for him. See about 14% ownership right now, which is fine. But recent ball striking numbers inside the top 10 of my sheet, the way that scoring is 11th for him. I, I think if you get a made cut out of him last week, we have a $9,000 plus golfer. Uh, there's a discount that's being had because of that reason. Yeah, there you have it. Lucky you. You got your guy. He survived. You're also like, I feel like you've taken Shank in like 
four of our last five yeah. drafts. You are always on Shank, and he's he's playing well. I think it's a solid pick. Um, what about you, David? Are you playing Shank or Norman this week? Um, of of those two selections, I think uh, Adam Schenk has the most interest for me for, for many of the same reasons that Spencer's just spoken about. Schenk really elevated his game towards the second half of the season this year. Um, and last week, I mean, he missed the cut on the number. So it's not like he was in dreadful form. It was his first start since the Tour Championship. So there might have been a little bit of rust there. It's always really hard to predict when they're coming off their first start of where that game's going to be. And so I think, that, as has been said, a lot of people will rule him out because he missed a cut last week when uh, he's been very, very good form. Particularly his approach play has just gone like on fire um, for the last kind of like three months. So really like that player. I think he's very obvious value. Um, at 8,000 and um, three starts here, 22nd, 28th, 16th. So he's um, he's played very well. It looks like he's, he's suited and he's never been coming into those tournaments with the sort of form he is now. Yeah, and it kind of just really quickly goes back to the point that David just talked about. He goes out on Thursday, he shoots one over par. He gets it together on Friday to end up missing the cut by one after going three under. But I mean, if you throw out that first result where he probably was a little bit rusty, this is a really nice bounce back spot if you just can ignore that from your mind. There you have it. Bounce back spot from Shank. I like it. I'm in on the pick. Audience, you're back on the clock. He got a couple nominations in, but we're going to need a second. Um, that hasn't come in yet. Audience, you have just under 8K per pick. A good start with Sungjae, Minwoo, and Champ. David, what do you think of the audience's team thus far as they wait to get their pick in? Yeah, it's interesting. I think they've got like the benefit for them is they've got a bit of a narrative of like long drivers going on here with um, some decent putters and guys in form. So um, I kind of like the Minwoo Cam Champ stack, like going for the Aussie stack kind of makes sense. Um, obviously Sandbout players have good record on windy courses and we, we're expecting some really high wins these first couple of days. So um, I don't think that's, um, that's a bad build whatsoever. I like that they've got kind of this narrative of strong drivers and, I, I think that's a really interesting strategy when it comes to DFS, right? Like whenever I'm building a lineup, I, I like to hand build the majority of my lineups um, for DFS. And the, the main reason for that is I like to stick to those narratives of like, if, if it is a course where we don't have a ton of strokes gain data, if you've got a, a lineup where it's all strong drivers, really good around the green game and great putters, if that ends up being the way that the course plays, well, you've got six candidates there with really high upside who are probably undervalued. And a lot of people are just going to kind of mix and match, put guys in with salaries who might have completely different styles of play. And I really like going that narrative route of this is what the course is going to play like. And these are, these are the golfers that are going to sort that suit that profile. I agree. Have that correlation, make your lineup make sense. It looks like the pick is in. It looks like it's Nora Norin. I'm sorry. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like Norton got the second nod here. Um, Alex Norton, another guy who's been popular. The thing with Norton is, more recently, I haven't really seen the great play. I personally am out on Norton this week. Uh, Spence, how about you? Are you playing Norton at all? My answer that I typically give is yes. Um, I I'm going to say no for this tournament. There you have it. Out on Norton. He did have a third at the Shriners, so you know that that did look pretty good. Um, I don't know. I just at eight K, I like Norn as my sneaky guy coming up off the radar. He feels a little bit too on the radar right now. It feels like when it seems Norn people are on him, it doesn't seem like the spot he pops. So for me, I think uh, oh, that's right. could hurt me. David, how about you? Are you playing Norn at all? 
I mean, one thing I would say is that Noren's very, very good in the wind. And a lot of that comes down to his putting and his around the green game. So we are expecting some really high winds those first two days. And I think that might play to, to Noren's advantage. There you have it. Noren in play. All right. I got two picks left. A few guys I'm deciding between on how I'm going to make this, this roster work. I'm going to start and take Mark Hubbard. Mark Hubbard is um, – I think you're getting a really good price on Hubbard. Like we said, I'm really focusing my theme on ball strikers. I think it's a second shot course. So I'm trying to find guys that excel at that. Hubbard is definitely one of those. Um, and this could be a spot where he's playing well. I mean, he missed the cut at his last tournament, but he came back and shot a 65 the second day and just missed the cut. So, you know, if you look a little deeper, he's still playing good golf. And I think that could continue this week at 7,600 in this field. I think that's a really good price. How about you, Spence? Are you on Hubbard at all this week? I think the price is really good for the reason that you mentioned. Uh, I, I think he's extremely boomer bust, and you can even see that with his results recently. Like, he's either giving you a top 20 finish or he's just flat out missing the cut in most of these events. Obviously, he finished near the bottom of the leaderboard here last year when he played the event, whatever you want to take into account there. But uh, it's very high ceiling, low floor sort of an outcome in my mind with Hubbard. All right. I like it. I like it. David, you got two here on the wheel, about 7,200 per pick left. Who are you looking at here? Yeah, just to just to touch quickly on Hubbard, though, what I would say is last week he missed the cut on the number and he lost three and a half strokes putting, which was his worst um, putting performance since February early this year. So um, just bear that in mind that it, it was a bit of an outlier in terms of the way that he putted that week compared to usual. Um, and I always like to see some reversion in that kind of spot. So I think that's like a little bit sneaky again, kind of similar to um, to the the Schenk play of people might just see the miscut and be out. Um, you know, he, he's, sit, he's sitting there right next to like Michael Kim, who's priced at 100 to 1 to win the tournament, right? So that tells you right away that there's some value there potentially. Um, I'm going to go, well, I have to go down the board a little bit, um, but I'm going to go with um, some locals because we've seen at this course, right? We've seen good history of um, players coming in, playing on the Japan Tour, get overlooked by a lot of people, and then they, they pop for top 10s or, you know, 12th place or um, a lot of lot of upside there for the Japanese golfers. And there's a lot of national pride in Japan as well, and I think that gets underrated that it is a big deal for them to have such a high-profile tournament here, and they do really want to perform. So starting off is uh, Takumi Kanaya. Um, I think that he's got massive upside, extremely talented young golfer, 25 years old. Um, he's already had three wins this season, um, two of those on the Japan Tour and one over in Oman at the International Series, which actually had a pretty decent field if you go and look at that tournament there. Um, on debut here in 2022, he finished seventh. Um, so he's he's got a liking for the course and at 7200 I, I like him as a flyer to potentially get a top 20 and then uh, another local for me um Katie Nakajima um so Katie Nakajima very cheap um won twice this year as well on the Japan tour was 12th here last time out in um earlier this year so again just happy to go down hope for a top 20 from them um Obviously, there's no time zone difference. They know what these golf these golf courses play like, um, and yeah, both both very similar, decent off the tee, um, and can get hot with the putter as well. Boom! I love it. I love it. Um, Nakajima was mentioned in the chat a few times. Um, it sounds like the audience is on him. He certainly is a good player. I think for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, David, 
I think it could be a sneaky play. It doesn't look like the ownership is like that low, so it does look like some people will be playing him. How about you, Spence? You playing Nakajima all this week? Yeah, I mentioned at the start there were you know roughly seven players in the six thousand dollar range that I was fine to put into a build. Nakajima was one of them. Um, I think he's interesting. And when it gets back to my pick, uh, I'll mention one of the other guys that if you really just want to throw a dart on this, I, I think it's intriguing. All right. I'm intrigued to see where that goes. Um, it's my pick here. I'm going to take a guy that was just mentioned, um, who I think is in a really good spot this week. He's playing great golf. That's Michael Kim, 7,500 in the 7K range. Um, you know, his ball striking has been excellent and elite. He can, he's been making putts. You know, his weakness has been his driver for the most part, but um, I think someone that can get neutralized here this week. So I think Michael Kim has, has a lot of upside at 7,500. It's a good way to help balance out my kind of stars and scrubs approach. Uh, Spencer, how about you? Are you playing Kim at all? Uh, so I'll, I'll say this, Joel. He was a very, very slight value on my sheet when comparing him to a price. I think if I was directly comparing, I might rather play Nick Hardy or Callum Karen just to give two names there. But uh, I don't have a problem with the Michael Kim play. Um, as you, I'm sure, no. I was a very tough decision with him and Karen for me. I was kind of decided to do I love Callum Karen. I am yeah. like the biggest fan of Callum Karen. I play him always. Um, I kind of went with Kim. I just like the recent hot streak that he's been on that kind of made me lean toward him. So. That was my thought process, but it was very tight. How about you, David? Are you playing Michael Kim at all this week? Yeah, I will be playing a lot of Michael Kim this week. I think that people will see that price, 7500 and then, as I kind of mentioned, like you've got guys like Mark Hubbard right there who are PGA Tour, um, you know, on the PGA Tour are performing a lot better than Michael Kim for the most part. And so they'll, they'll immediately think that Michael Kim's overpriced, and I think that that gives you some opportunities for discounted ownership. But I do really like the play. Um, as I mentioned, that approach bucket from 150 to 200 yards, you, you're seeing about one and a half to two approach shots per round um, more than usual at this course in that bucket. Michael Kim's one of the best on the PGA Tour in that bucket, and he absolutely actually sp he spikes in that approach um, range versus all the others. Um, he's in the 92nd percentile um, on the PGA or in the world this year um, within that bucket. So he, he really does um, tend to like hitting from that range and he's going to get a lot of shots um, within that selection as well. So he, he hasn't performed massively well at the comp courses, but I also think that he is a lower grade golfer, no offense than, than Mark Hubbard, but he's coming in a decent form. Um, 18th last week at the Shriners and then 5th of the Wyndham. And the fact that that approach bucket really suits him, I think that that's probably key to his success this week. There you have it. I love it. I love it. So the audience, you did a great job. The pick is definitely in. Hard to tell based on how things were worded which pick it is. Is it going to be Wallace or is the pick the other guy whose name I can't pronounce? Hisetsune. That's the one, yeah, that one. Rio Hisetsune. Yeah, that one. I think it's... Is yeah, it I think the, the chat about Wallace again was speculation when um, when you were making your pick, Joel. Uh, the Hisetsune seems to have got um, a couple of couple of likes. I, I was tempted to go there when I was looking at Kanai and Nakajima. Um, Hisetsune, we were on 
three out of four weeks in the lead up to the Open to France, and then he he went and won at a hundred to one the week after. So that was um, a little bit gutting because we were really high on the way he was playing on the DP World Tour. Um, obviously, I covered the DP World Tour pretty extensively, and we'd uh, we'd put him up quite a few times in the lead up to that. So we saw the way his game was trending, and unfortunately, the week that we didn't put him up was when he went and won it. So um, my my only thought with this would be, and and again. I, I hate speculating about narratives, but like he's just won a really big tournament, easily the biggest winner of his career. He's 21 years old, massively talented. Does he feel the pressure now, having had that win, to come back to Japan, his home nation, and really perform in front of his locals? And how does he handle that? That that becomes my question of, does that all become too much if he now puts this like huge expectation on himself because he's a recent winner and he's expected almost to play well as a star? Um, does that put too much pressure on him to come out and perform? That would be my only question, but I think he's extremely talented. He's one to watch. I mean, he, he could be going on a similar trajectory to, to Tom Kim in a couple of years. There you have it. Rio it is. Seems like a popular pick. Um, Spencer, how about you? Are you playing Rio at all this week? I'm going to avoid saying his name. I mean, it, so- <laughs> it sounds like you're sneezing when you say his last name, David. So... I almost want to say bless you as it was going on with it, but I, my model liked him. I, he is a name that I would consider playing. I, I'd be curious to check to see where the ownership goes. Cause he's definitely going to probably be on the more popular end, but uh, I am definitely in for anybody who wants to do that. And then when we move into my pick, you want to just randomly throw a dart at the bottom of this board on a golfer. That is a former number one amateur. He hits the ball long. He's 22 years old. I think Taiga Semikawa is interesting as just a dart throw down here who's really cheap that's going to have about a percent ownership if you're just trying to go with the stars and scrubs approach and you know you stack the top with let's just say three golfers you know like near that nine thousand plus range and you get down into the six thousand range he is the name that i would take the shot on if i was going to do it now obviously with where things stand right now I would much prefer to have gone a different route. I would love to be in that Fowler or Morikawa or Sungjae or Xander, any of those names, Cameron Davis. Like I would prefer to round out builds with them. I'm going to start with Hideki. I think Hideki is the best value left on the board. I mean, he's the most expensive player. I have the money to pay up at this point. Former winner of this tournament. I think if his health is fine, this is a nice course fit for him. And then it essentially put me into a spot where with the money I'd have left, I have $9,000. Sahit Thagala, Eric Cole, uh, Bo Hostler. I think any of those names make somewhat of sense. I guess I actually am going to spend all my money here, and I will go with Sahit Thagala. Uh, we have seen him over his last three starts go 13-15th win at the Fortnite. Worry a little bit about his inaccuracy off the tee. I could give the same answer about Cole and with Hostler based off of that. So I guess I will go with the player that has shown a little bit more upside and wrap it up with Hideki and Sahith. I mean, I like it. In terms of, you know, just getting the most talented golfers on your team, I think you did that, right? You got some some good players there, guys who are guaranteed four days. How about you, David? Are you on Hideki or Sahith this week? Sadiki. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Hideki this week more than Sahith Tagala. Um, I think Tagala is a really good GPP play. I think we're seeing that the upside is there. I don't know if I'd play him on my cash game lineups because I think that there's a lot of volatility there that naturally comes with um, with him. I think Matsuyama just 
we're, we've always got those injury concerns, right? And like, I'm surprised Joel hasn't taken him by this point because we know how much he loves to um, take guys with injury concerns. We know how much he loves Matsuyama, but um, he does seem to have the ability to just like turn it on when it comes to Japan. Some of those concerns come from the fact that it's a full round no cut tournament, right? So if you do get a WD, that lineup is just instantly dead. Um, but he does have the ability when it comes to this course or just playing in Japan to really just turn turn the game on. So um, I do like the upside that you get with him. There you have it. Plenty of upside for sure. Wouldn't shock me at all if Hideki went out and won this tournament. Uh, Spence, that's your team. You spent all your salary. You got some good players on there. I like the look of your squad. Maybe you're warming up to the tournament. Maybe not as uh, disappointing as you were as you opened the show. We'll see. Audience, you got to get your pick in. You got one left. You have 8300 to spend on your last pick. Uh, the nomination is in. I mean, that's definitely the guy I would take. If I could afford him, that's who I would be looking at. So I think it's a really good nomination. It needs to be doubled before it can be confirmed. Um, while the nomination's out there, David, what are your thoughts on Svensson this week? Yeah, I, re- I do really like him. Um, I, I would have liked him in betting markets as well until he got cut in pretty pretty sharp. So um, that's always a guide for me, right? Like the, the sharp money's always coming to a player and he's moving in in the odds market. Obviously, once the drafting salaries are set, they can't move. So that's something that I'm constantly monitoring is where the odds are moving versus where um, people are priced in drafting. And Svensson really spikes for that. Um, I, lo- I love the the ability with the putter. I think that's going to be really key this week, especially with the wins. You're going to have to make cuts either to uh, avoid bogey and keep the momentum going or, or to get birdies and, and get to that kind of like minus 15 to minus 18 score they will take to win. I totally agree. I love Spencer this week. Couldn't make it work with my approach to how I built my roster, but if I had built it a different way, I definitely would have targeted Spencer. How about you, Spencer? You playing Spencer this week? Yeah, and, and I'd like to – I probably misspoke in reality when I talked about Thigala, Cole, Hostler being the three. Uh, Svensson was also a name I was considering to leave a little bit more money on the table. I think he's a good pick. There you have it. All right. Um, oh, it is on me with my last and final pick. Oh, I am – to be honest with you, I wasn't ready that it, for it to come back to me. So if you guys want to say something real quick this all while I make this selection, please feel free. Do you want to have an open conversation? I mean, I, I about what is down there. I mean, obviously there are a, a lot of players at 7,100 or less um, to talk about. I mean, where would your mind be at just as like an open conversation? It's a good point. So if, if, if it was available, it would have been champ. That's who I would have taken. Well, that's not an option for me here. So the guys I've really narrowed this pick down to right now are Nate Lashley, which I don't love, but I feel like, is probably the safest pick of the of the bunch that I have left here. Uh, Brandon Wu, who you know I think has some upside, but you know he really can't putt, which is concerning. Um, and then the other last guy I'm I'm considering here is Davis Riley, who is very hit or miss. Um, we haven't seen the best of him recently, but we know the upside is there. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think Riley is obviously very boomer bust. Um... I kind of like Dylan Wu for just throwing out random names. Um, that was a name that popped for me a little bit. Lashley also popped for me. I, I will say with Lashley, I-, I hate what's happening with him in the betting market. Like he is a massive underdog to every single person he's against. That hasn't necessarily dissuaded me from moving him away from my player pool. But sometimes when I am so much higher than the market on some of these players, it's at least like worth going back to figure out 
is it wrong on my end? And I ran some numbers and I changed up the math a little bit. And he was one of like the precipitous movers down my model when I did that. So I think there might be some more risk on the play than I initially took on when I built my model. But yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, that's kind of where my mentality would be with your pick too. Well, you know what I've decided? I've decided to go completely rogue. And I'm going to take someone we didn't even mention. I'm going to take Matthew Naismith. Um, just a little bit cheaper here. I mean, listen, I think they're all, all the guys that we mentioned there are kind of all in the same vein. I don't think Naismith has a, the most upside. But I do think of those guys I mentioned, he's probably playing the best golf. The ball striking's there. We know he's a great ball striker. If he can make a few, a few putts, he might be able to sneak into a top 20. So um, – I think he's safe. If I can just get him to get me a decent result with the rest of this team, I think he can cover what I need. Sure. How about you, David? Naismith on your radar at all? He goes, yeah, no, I was surprised you didn't come up in the original conversation because that, that would have been one of the names that I would have been considering. Um, first thing, I probably would have gone Lashley um, just because within that 150 to 200 yards, again, he's, he's in the top 90% in the world over the last um, 12 months within that bucket. So he, he really does spike around that um, that kind of range. And in terms of comp course as well, he had a, a third at the old white um, TPC, which again, there's a lot of form lines going through other players that have pl- played here well um, to to the what was formerly the Greenbrier Classic. So he's had a third there on debut. Um, so I do like that correlation. He played here once and he withdrew. So it's really hard to get any gauge of like where his game was at and how it suited the course. So you can't really read that much into it. But on other Zoysa courses, he's he has spiked on approach versus what he normally does as well. So that's another really good indicator for me. So I, I probably would have gone Lashley. In fact, I was even considering actually going Lashley with this final pick here and leaving some money on the table. Where I will go is I'm going to take um, Kurt Kitayama. Again, I just think he's got massive upside. He's definitely a GPP versus a, a cash game play. And I understand that, but I like the fact that you're getting driving distance, really elite approach lately, and then around the green game, I think it's going to be very key this week, especially with the wins. He has played very well in the wind before, so he does have that going for him. Um, hasn't had the, the best record um, on comp courses, but he has played here once since the 29th, so it wasn't absolutely dreadful. Um, I just like the the potential that we have for um, I think that he's a much better golfer than um, being priced in 7,400. There you have it. I love it. I love it. That's the draft. Do us a favor. Hit the like button. Give us a follow before you wrap up tonight. Let us know which team you think is going to win this week. We come back. We crown a winner. We talk smack. It's a lot of fun. Somebody's got to win. Who are you backing? Uh, A lot of good teams this week. I think it should be an exciting finish, but we're not done yet. I'm going to pull the draft board down before we wrap up tonight. We do have some first-round leaders. Now, before we dive into it, don't forget, come back into Discord when you sign up with WinDaily before this tournament starts. Now, the tournament's starting tomorrow night, not like in the middle of the night, like 8 o'clock. So get in your lineup set early, check back, confirm the weather, make sure it's it's accurate. If there is any ed, get your updates in. We will be posting some updates in Discord, some outright tickets as well. But for tonight, we have our first-round leaders. So... Spence, we'll start with you in the first round leader market. Who are you looking at? So I will give the three that I am on. And then I also just want to touch on the $6,000 players that I would play. Like I-, I hate giving blanket statements on a show and then not touching on who the players actually were. Uh, as far as the first round leader market goes, Adam Shank, 45 to one, JJ Spawn, 50 to one, Vincent Norman, 50 to one. And then of those six players or so in that $6,000 range that I am taking shots on, 
It would be Semikawa. It would be Matthew Neesmith. It would be Davis Riley. We've obviously talked about them quite extensively. Be Nakajima, who got uh, mentioned on the show and picked. It'd be my KH Lee pick. And then if you really just want to take a long shot on a player that the form's been really bad, I don't mind Kevin Yu. The ball striker that, you know, can pop. I know it hasn't been great recently, but that's probably the cutoff point for me in the $6,000 range. Like I have very little interest on the other names. Yeah, but you gave a good amount of names. So you got some interest. You got some spots to look at. Are any of those guys in your first round leader pool? I, I guess if, if I was going to bet one of them, I mean, I think Kevin, Yu is very intriguing. If I was going to pick one of those names, I I'm not, I'm trying to keep it limited so it'll just be Shank, Spawn, and Norman. Um, I think Riley is kind of one of those boomer bust candidates too, but no, I'm probably not going – maybe KH Lee. Maybe KH Lee would be the other name to mention, but I'm going to keep it at Shank, Spawn, and Norman. I like it. I like it a lot. How about you, David? Who are you looking at in the first-round leader market this week? Um, I've just got one because I think it's going to the top of the board at Sanders Shelf Play, which you can get at um, $17 or, or $16 to $1. Um, Morning tea time. Winds are going to pick up in the afternoon. He's going off nice and early, and I just I really can't look past him. And you're getting double the odds for a first round leader versus his his odds in the win market. And obviously, we know that the cream rises to the top over a four round tournament with no cut. Um, so that's probably why you're getting half the odds. But I just I do feel that if you're getting sixteen to one on Xander Shawflay to be the first round leader in this market when he's going off in the morning, that's just too generous for me. There, there's names that, out there that I would like to add I, I really like the adam sheen play because he's up in the morning as well and I, I thought that was a really good number at 45 um but if i'm going a guy at 16 to 1 i feel that's like the only option that you can go and that's kind of it so uh of play i think he'll be the first round leader all right the best player in the field i like it i like it um i got three picks three plays for you for the first round leader market um i'm gonna start with joel Dahman, uh at 60 to 1 you know he's been you know playing pretty well ball striking has been there I can certainly see him popping for one day. I'm going to go with my staple first-round Peter pick, the guy I take every week, Callum Tarrant, who is a good fit. He's playing well. He's 50-1, to goes off in the morning. Um, I think, you know, some upside there with those odds. And my last pick is Eric Cole at 35-1. to He's just playing really good. I think books underrate him. I think he's one of the better players in the field. So to get him at 35-1 to number, I think is a good number. Another morning tee-off as well. That is a wrap for tonight. Have some fun with it this week. Watch the tournament. You get to watch it tonight. It's going to be different, a different way to enjoy our wins. Show us your green screens on Sunday. Anything I'm forgetting? I I think maybe we should consider. I'm not saying that we should necessarily do it. We should maybe consider a new sign-off. Okay. I'm just going to pitch it to you guys. Okay. Tee off sports. Wow, sold. Sold. There you have it. That's a wrap for us tonight. Tee off. Sports. There you go.